The Nashville Predators get a big win over the Montreal Canadiens last night. Today, we will recap Nashville's 6-3 win over Montreal, and we're going to talk about what head coach John Hines has done to get the team's offense firing. Plus, trade talks have begun. We'll break down the first of the roster rumors. All that's coming up on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com, and I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan, but Nick has today off. We actually have a lot to get to today after one of those kind of few and far between feel-good hockey games from Bridgestone Arena last night. In case you missed it, the Nashville Predators won big over Montreal 6-3. to three. Uh, Here's a little recap of the action in case you didn't get a chance to check out the game. It was action-packed, especially offensively for the Nashville Predators. First period started out, uh, Joel Edmondson from Montreal was called for a delay of game penalty about two and a half minutes into the game. The Predators power play went to work. Cody Glass got the first goal of the game about four minutes in, uh, scored on a tip in goal, working that net front area. About a minute and a half later, Colton Sissons got a two on one chance with Philip Forsberg and sank that goal past the Canadiens goaltender, earning Philip Forsberg a point for the assist, adding to his impressive offensive numbers as of late. At 10.42 in the first period, Matthias Ekholm scored on a shot from the blue line that would have been a second power play goal of the game if he had gotten it off just one second sooner. They had just cracked that door open. Otherwise, could have been another really fun stat for the Predators. Downside of that first period, the Nashville Predators did that Predators thing they do sometimes giving up a last-minute goal in the first period off of a Duchesne turnover. Cole Caulfield rallied that puck and scored on Soros with kind of a nifty move and a backhanded shot. So first period ended with the Predators up 3-1. to one. Second period started out a little dicey, if we're being honest, as Josh Anderson got the Habs within one goal at 640 on a shot that kind of bounced off Soros's glove and into the net. But the young hero of the game, Tommy Novak, who clearly knows that the slot is not, in fact, lava, my friends, because he headed right there, received a terrific pass from Yakov Trenin from behind the net to get the lead back to two goals for the Nashville Predators. Later in the second period, Tommy Novak returned the favor, finding Roman Yossi streaking into the net, hit him with a really nice cross-ice pass to make it a 5-2 to two game. In the third period, Matt Duchesne added a power play goal on a 5-on-3 opportunity, 
And then Nashville gave up one more late period goal with just three minutes left. God bless Alexander Carrier's stick broke as he was trying to clear the puck. He desperately tried to play defense with his hand, but Mike Hoffman found Brendan Gallagher, who scored late in the third period to make the final score of this game 6-3 to three, Nashville. I will tell you, one of the things I noticed in this game, sticks were breaking last night left and right. It was it was a whole thing. I don't know what was going on with the sticks last night, but in the end, it cost Nashville a goal, but they got the win, a big win. Granted, not over one of the top teams in the league, and, and it's not that I don't know that, but Predators scoring six goals last night from six different players. So as we like to do at Locked on Predators, we always like to do one word to describe the game. And so my one word is a very Brady hockey game. This was a hockey game where you had six goals from six different goal scorers. If I was any good at Photoshop, my friends, and I am not, I would put together a graphic with the Brady squares and put each of the six goal scorers in a square um, because it was a really good night offensively for the Nashville Predators up and down the lineup. We had goals coming in a number of ways. You know, you had your very pretty Marsha goals, you know, Roman Yossi's goal with the, from the pass uh, from Tommy Novak. Great. That was a very Marsha, Marsha, Marsha goal. You know, you had some of your kind of younger, cute goals. You know, you had a Bobby goal, Cody Glass tipping it in net front on the power play to open the scoring. So you had a lot of different goal scorers, but altogether a very entertaining game. Just like, you know, you have these six kids thrown together and they make a pretty entertaining family. Um, this was not, I want to be clear, this was not a perfect game. This was not a little problem cleaned it up in 30 minutes or less like the Brady Bunch. There were definitely some trouble with some turnovers. Uh, and the Predators committed four penalties. There was even a stretch where there was a brief five-on-three chance for Montreal. Fortunately, penalty kill came up really big for the Predators last night. Montreal did not score at all on the man advantage. So it was not a perfect game. It was not a win over a top team in the league. So I understand, you know, we don't want to take this 6-3 win over Montreal and suddenly say we're coming for the cup. But this was an important win for the Nashville Predators. You know, the thing that was so important about this win is that it was a confidence-building game for the team offensively and on special teams. And look, these are two areas where, especially at the beginning of the season and into November and early December, Nashville has really struggled offensively. And oh my goodness, do we even need to talk about the power play statistics from earlier in the season? Nashville, much better performance um, on special teams, but their statistics to begin the season were so abysmal. <laughs> I don't think Nashville is going to be able to climb up the rankings uh, when it comes to power play 
despite how well they're performing lately. But this was a game that was really a confidence building game for the Nashville Predators. And this is a confidence that they're going to need. They're headed into a five game road trip against some of the top teams in the league. And the Predators are a team that have not been playing with much confidence lately. You know, they really have sort of struggled. They've been generating offensive chances, but not finishing. I think, you know, it's just been one of those stretches where what they've needed is some success offensively. What they've needed is a little bit of confidence. Uh, so to get a win like this, to have scoring up and down the lineup, like, I get it. You know, it's not like we just beat the Boston Bruins, but you know, Montreal came into this game really wanting a bounce back win. They were coming off of a 9-2 loss to the Caps. So they came in hungry to this game. Nashville was able to execute well. They were able to get scoring up and down the lineup in a variety of ways. So it's a good confidence builder for a team that I think maybe has struggled with confidence early in the season. So coming up, we're actually going to hear from head coach John Hines on what he and the team have been doing recently to sort of up their offensive production. And also we're going to hear from him about line combinations. You know, that's a topic that sometimes ruffles some feathers among Predators fans. But we're going to hear from him about how line combinations are also helping offensive production. We're going to talk about that in a minute. First, want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur sport. They cover everything from, of course, pro football to college and professional basketball. They had all the stats you could want on World Cup. And of course, you know, betonline.net has hockey coverage. If you love sports podcasts, and I'm assuming you do if you're here, you can find more of those at betonline.net as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get all of the betting information that you need. So head to their website today, or you can use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So one of the big successes in the game last night and recently for the Nashville Predators that I think we need to spend a minute and give some kudos on is the power play. So the Predators last night went two for four on the power play. Look, here's what's real. It could have been three for four had Matias Ekholm gotten a shot off like a second sooner because he scored literally as, you know, the door was opening. So it, they're three for four in our hearts, uh, two for four on the statistic sheet, whatever. Um, power play goals from, again, Cody Glass, great net front tip in and Matt Duchesne scored on a five on three in the third period. I am a loving little Cody glass. I say little Cody glass. He, I understand he is a grown man, but Cody glass net front on the power play has been really good. And Matthias Ekholm shot that in our hearts was a power play goal, but not on the stat sheet. You know, Cody glass didn't get a tip in on that, but he was definitely 
you know, kind of causing traffic, causing havoc, blocking the vision of the goaltender. So net front presence on the power play is becoming a really important part of the success they're seeing. And the Predators, I can't believe I'm saying this, are seeing success on the power play. They have scored a power play goal in six of their last seven games. The only game they did not score a power play goal in was against Dallas. The Preds are seven for 19 on the man advantage since December 19th. So something that was dreadful at the beginning of the season really has started to turn around for the Predators. After the game, uh, we got a chance to talk to Matthias Ekholm, and you know, he really pointed out how critical the power play was last season to the Predators being able to make it into the playoffs, and you know, just how important it is to see that get going right now. This is something that, oh my goodness, has it been a struggle? It's been a struggle. The power play was two minutes of rest for the opponent for for far too long the beginning of this season. So getting to see the man advantage actually become an advantage for the Nashville Predators, really a a big improvement for the team and an important improvement may be timely down the stretch if the Predators can keep it up. The power play could be a difference maker down the stretch, depending on how, you know, this next month, again, January, brutal, December, Horrible January, not fun either, but the power play could be a difference maker for them. One of the things we saw in the game last night was not just how important special teams were. Uh, The penalty kill also very effective, killed off four penalties. And like I said, there was a brief period of five on three opportunity for Montreal that Nashville handled really well. But offensively, The Predators are finally getting um, a lot of offensive success. You know, they've had offensive chances. They generated offensive chances earlier in the season. They just hadn't been able to finish. Um, Now they're hitting that stride. So the Preds have 16 goals in their last three games, 16 goals in three games, 28 goals in their last seven games. So what is going right finally with this offense? You know, they were struggling to get goals in early December. You know, they won a few games in November with scores of two to one or, you know, three to two. They were shut out by Detroit, shut out against St. Louis. So scoring goals has been a problem for the Predators. We got a chance to ask John Hines, how did you go from having trouble scoring and getting goals on the board to being able to generate the amount of goals that they have in the last three games, seven game stretch. And John Hines really gave us some great insight into what the team has been doing over the last couple of weeks to improve offensively. This is what he had to say. Really worked on the process here pretty heavily, I'd say for about three and a half weeks to a month. Uh, and I think, you know, like in anything, when something's a little bit stagnant or you're in a little bit of a rut, sometimes you don't just jump right out of it. You take steps. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of emphasis on it in uh, video one-on-one meetings, practice time. You know, I think we all felt internally that it was it was even two or three weeks ago that it was turning and, 
you know, our game was going in the right direction as far as that. And, uh, you know, we were generating more looks, but the execution wasn't as good. And now we're generating looks. And I think, you know, we're in those situations more and the guys are, um, they have some good, you know, the execution is better as well. Uh, but I also think the chance generation and creating offense in multiple ways, that's something that we've really stressed. And I think we're doing a good job, you know, in uh, whether it's off the rush, uh, offensive zone, we've done a better job getting to the net front zone one area. So, you know, that's how you have to be a good team, a hard team to play against if you can generate in different ways. I really love that insight from John Hines. I think it's very easy, especially from the outside looking in, when you look at a team that is struggling offensively, I think it's pretty easy to chalk it up to poor roster construction or, you know, this is a talent related problem. And I think that happened a lot with the Nashville Predators early in the season. People were saying this isn't a team that can score. Forsberg and Duchesne couldn't possibly recreate the numbers that they had last year. Same with Roman Yossi. And while that may be true, while they may not be able to recreate those numbers, the Predators have been working internally on how to finish the chances they're generating. And they're doing it in a variety of ways. And I think it's a really interesting time to follow the Nashville Predators because of that. For so long, the Predators have talked about, you know, identity hockey. That's the buzzword that you know we've talked about here at Lockdown Predators. You always hear them talking about identity hockey. That's hard for checking. That is tough to play against. But I think you're seeing some transition to the Predators style of hockey. You are seeing them playing you know, like Heinz said, you're you're seeing them capitalize on things like rush chances. You're seeing them getting net front. You're seeing them getting tip-in goals where the offense is being generated in a variety of ways and it's happening up and down the lineup. It feels like this team is playing differently than they did at the beginning of the year. It feels like this team is more than just a one-dimensional team. We've talked a lot about how the Predators struggle against teams with speed. I think you're seeing Nashville now capitalize on the fact that they have a game that they can play with some speed. You know, they are capitalizing on rush chances. They are executing better on cross ice passes. They are getting to the net front. They are getting to those high danger areas and they're executing better. So it's an interesting time to follow this team because I think we're seeing their style of play expand. I don't think they're going to get away totally from the forechecking from that identity style of hockey, but you're seeing this team become a more well-rounded team offensively. And that is something that really needed to happen for the Predators. Another thing that John Hines talked about last night that I thought was really interesting is talking about how in these last three, four games, you're seeing scoring come from up and down the lineup. We've had periods this season where the top guys were just in scoring droughts. Forsberg, Duchesne would go stretches without points. Roman Yossi had a five-game stretch, I believe, where he went without points. And then you had just little blips of some secondary scoring, but nothing super consistent for this team. 
What we're seeing in these last couple of games when they're generating so many goals is you're seeing scoring up and down the lineup. And that was something that we talked with John Hines about, you know, just how important is it that you're getting contributions from this team up and down the lineup? And he had some pretty interesting insight into what that does, not just on the scoreboard, but internally for the team as well important i mean i think when you have that it's it is a recipe to be able to win regularly where you know it doesn't put so much pressure on certain guys to be able to score i think when you have depth scoring in your lineup it's you know it, it certainly gives your team the best chance to win on a regular basis uh and i think it also creates internal competition you know i think when you have guys and you know we feel like we have three lines that are you know four, excuse me four lines that are playing well and um you know i think that 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 creates that internal competition because if you want to get the ice time and you want to play, you know you have to be able to keep up with with the, the the group that's the groups that are playing really well. So I think for on multiple fronts, it's 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 really truly what you want in a, in a in a team. I love the internal competition aspect of that. I think that's something that maybe we tend to overlook. When you want to earn ice time, you've got to do it by being productive and productive with your line mates in. Heinz has put together some really successful lines. And I know it's been a whole thing. Like we went into this season thinking that we were definitely going to see Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlin together. I would have bet, you know, maybe my firstborn that we would see Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlin stick together for majority of this season. I love my firstborn and I really wouldn't have bet her. But I'm saying, you know, with the success that they had last season, it just seemed like that was going to be a for sure line. Joey with Nito Nita Ryder because they have had, you know, past history and chemistry and they started the season out together. Heinz has really had to sort of juggle this roster to figure out what is working. And one of the lines that I really like is Granlin, Nita Ryder, and Glass. And this is a trio of players who you're seeing working really well together. Nino Niederreiter, kind of a veteran presence. Um, Cody Glass coming into his own after, man, that child, that young man, he's a man. I know he's a man. That man has really had a, a challenging stretch in the NHL and he's coming into his own. He's, you know, taken his time to develop. And you throw in Mikhail Granland, who has had some of his better games offensively together. And that, that's a line that is also going up against the top lines that they're playing against. You know, they were the line that was out there for a majority of the time against Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc last night, the same thing in Edmonton. So you're creating these lines and as they gain success, they are also creating internal competition. And I think part of that is paying off you've got people that are hungry for for ice time. So I thought that was a really interesting perspective from John Hines. Just not only how does it work on the ice, but how do these line combinations affect each other off of the ice? And how is that affecting this offensive production that we're finally, finally seeing from the Nashville Predators? Uh, Matthias Ekholm, another player who had a great game last night. You know there is nothing that delights me more than bragging on my Swedish brethren. Coming up, we're going to hear from Matthias Ekholm. Um, we talked to him about playing with Alexander Carrier. And 
let's just face it, we are getting to the stretch of the season where we are all clutching our pearls and our phones a little tighter as trade talks heat up. Could the Nashville Predators be thinking about making a move on defense? Oof, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, want to thank you again for making Locked on Predators your first listen every day. Now, go and check out Locked on NHL Prospects. This is your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars, all leading up to the NHL draft, which will be right here in Nashville. They will have NHL draft rankings and top prospect comparisons for every team on the podcast. So check out Locked on NHL Prospects. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So Matias Ekholm was one of the players on the roster who had a bit of a slower start to the season, but can we all just agree that the great Swedish Redwood is finally hitting his stride now? It's been up and down. We have talked about bringing in Ryan McDonough and how the plan was sort of to have McDonough carry it, or McDonough and Ekholm together. Gave that some time. Not sure it was the best fit. And so Hines has adjusted the defensive pairings. And I think he's really landing somewhere good. Yossi and McDonough seem to be a great partnership. Yossi a little free to do his Yossi things. McDonough, really responsible stay-at-home defender. And shout out to McDonough. Uh, did not get a goal last night, but man, did he have a couple of just phenomenal defensive plays. So shout out to Ryan McDonough, who may not score a bunch of goals, but by dang, he really came up with some great defensive plays in the game last night. Ekholm had a goal last night in the game. Uh, he is spending a lot more time back reunited, and it feels so good, with uh, Alexander Carrier. Alexander Carrier um, kind of been here, there, and everywhere. Same with Ekholm. Put the two of them back together, and this is a pairing that are seeing a lot of ice time, and they're seeing a lot of ice time, again, up against top lines that the Predators are facing got a chance to talk to Ekholm after the game last night and asked him about working with Alexander Carrier and what he sees from this defensive partner as they work together. It's been fun to watch. I think he's, he's, he's a great partner to me. I think he, he wants to learn. He wants to be better all the time. And uh, we communi communicate a lot, which is a huge key. I feel like when, when you're out there with a partner, you need to know where they're at. And, and he's not afraid to talk out there and, and make me know where he's at and, and vice versa. So I think it's been a good partnership so far. I, I think we get a lot of heavy matchups. And, and so far um, for, for these, I don't know, we've played for on and off for two years. And uh, it's been really good so far. Love the combination of Ekholm and Carrier. And again, it has taken some time for the Predators to shift this lineup and to find what's working, not just with the forwards, but defensively as well. And to be able to see Carrier with Ekholm. And you're noticing in the game last night, you noticed uh, Alexander Carrier, Jeremy Lazan, kind of dropping down into the offensive zone, kind of getting into the play. That's something that Carrier has wanted to do. And I think he is more free to do that when he is playing with Matthias Ekholm. That's a defensive pairing that really is working well for the Nashville Predators. And again, they're getting hard minutes against top lines and performing really well. But 
now we're getting into this trade talk time and there is a hitch in the little gastrointestinal giddy up when we're talking about Matias Ekholm. Could the Nashville defense look different in a few weeks? Oh my gosh. Frank Saravelli upset my apple cart. Uh, he is from the Daily Faceoff, wrote an article about some trade targets, and he just had the nerve to mention Matias Ekholm as a possible trade target for teams. Oh my gosh. This was stressful enough when it happened last season uh, with Matias Ekholm. Uh, Ekholm is in his first year of a four-year deal. He's uh, $6.25 million a year. He's got three goals, 10 assists, and 13 points in the season so far. And again, really interesting, rough sort of transitional season for Ekholm. Started with McDonough, now finding his groove with Carrier. So I think that may be contributed to a slower start settling the defensive pairings in where they're going to work best. But oh my gosh, Matthias Ekholm, the trade talks again. I, I almost can't even, my friends. I will tell you my favorite Matthias Ekholm story, and there are several, but my favorite one is David Poyle sharing that when all of the buzz last season was about Matthias Ekholm is a top trade target, top trade target, uh, Ekholm just walked into Poyle's office and point blank looked at him and said, am I being traded? And uh, telling the story, Poyle kind of laughed and said, you know, I don't have a lot of players that come in and talk to me like that. But you know what? That's Matias Ekholm. Am I being traded? I don't know whether the Predators are really entertaining this. I understand why teams would be very interested in Matias Ekholm. Would the Predators entertain an Ekholm trade? I don't know. But this is what I do know. If the Nashville Predators trade Matthias Ekholm, that right there tells you everything you need to know about where management feels this team is. If they trade Matthias Ekholm, that is saying that they do not believe that this team is playoff ready and you can expect a rebuild, a competitive retooling, a youth movement, whatever you want to call it. If Matthias Ekholm is traded away from the Nashville Predators, and I'm not saying it would happen, I'm saying there's going to be interest in it. And if David Poyle pulls the trigger on something like that, that is a statement move. That is going to tell you where the Nashville Predators are going to be headed in the next three, four, five, seven years. Because you do not trade away Matthias Ekholm and expect to be the same team that is going to be competitive and have a goal of making it to the second round of the playoffs. That's just simply not what you do. So keep an eye on Matias Ekholm. Again, generating interest, 100% sure that is true. Not 100% sure that David Poyle is at a point where he would entertain that move. But if for some reason Poyle pulls the trigger on an Ekholm trade, Friends, that tells you everything you need to know about the Nashville Predators' future. Another defensive kind of rumbling idea, what's going on, speculation that I feel like we have to talk about, even though we don't have any hard data yet, Dante Fabro. Dante Fabro has one goal, six assists, seven points on the season. He's had a couple of rough moments in some games recently, and... Fabro was a healthy scratch in last night's game against Montreal. Now, 
Can we read a lot into that that maybe isn't there? Yes. Let's be honest. John Hines oftentimes healthy scratches players when they need just a palate cleanse reset. We've seen it with a number of players this season. That could be all there is to it with Dante Fabro. However, uh, Roland McEwen came into play last night. I'm wondering, you know, are they seeing, could he be somebody that could jump in and fill in if Dante Fabro is traded? Um, McEwen did play uh, fewest minutes. He didn't get any special teams time, played a little over 14 and a half minutes, did fine. Are the Nashville Predators entertaining options for Dante Fabro? It would not surprise me. Do we have hard evidence that that is happening? No. Is the healthy scratch last night an indication that the Predators are going to trade him? Not necessarily, but this is something to keep an eye on. And I also want to just put another dot out there, not saying I'm going to connect these dots, but just a little name to keep in the back of your mind, Ryan Merkley from the San Jose Sharks. So Ryan Merkley, uh, this is his first season. He, you know, 39 games, one goal, five assists, six points. He is rumored to be out and available, uh, that the Sharks are maybe looking to make some sort of a trade for him. I'm just putting two dots out there and not necessarily connecting them, but keep that name in the back of your mind. If the Predators decide to do something different with Dante Fabro, with the defense, Ryan Merkley could be a young player that David Poyle might be interested in bringing in defensively. If you want to learn a little bit more about Merkley, you need to check out Locked on Sharks. Our good friend J.D. Young is the host there, and he's actually doing an episode today on Merkley and his future with the Sharks and just sort of his skill set. So something to keep in the back of your mind. Again, I'm not connecting those dots. I'm just putting two dots out there. Let's see what happens. It will be interesting to see if Dante Fabro is a healthy scratch as the Predators get ready for a five-game road trip against some pretty tough competition. And of course, you know, at Lockdown Predators, we will keep our eyes and ears open and bring you any trade news whenever it may happen. Tomorrow's episode, we're actually going to take a closer look at Nashville's five-game road trip, and we're going to preview the game tomorrow night against the Carolina Hurricanes. Nino Niederreiter's former team, he is back at his former home. So we're going to talk about that game. It's going to be a challenge for the Predators. We're going to talk about what the keys to this game are going to be for Nashville. We're also going to take a quick look around the league at which teams are trending up and which teams we think are trending down as we head into the early stretch of 2023. In the meantime, you are welcome to check out my work at InsideThePreds.com. You can also find me on Twitter at ANK, Mama on Ice. Follow the show at LO underscore Predators on Twitter. And whether you are watching us on YouTube or you're listening in on your favorite podcasting platform, be sure to subscribe so you will be the first to know when we drop new episodes every day, Monday through Friday. So that's going to do it for today's Locked on Predators podcast. We hope you are going to have a great day. Nick and I will be back tomorrow and we'll have an all new episode.